On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, I'm joined by Maryland skipper Rob Vaughn to recap last season's run to a regional, discuss fall ball, and some of the other off-season coaching and roster changes, as well as preview the 2022 schedule that was just released last week. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Levine and Ben Curtis. Now we're joined by the head coach of the Maryland baseball team, Rob Vaughn. Just coach, how are you doing uh, in this offseason? A long one, but almost towards the end of it. Yeah, man, it's been really good. It was just such a breath of fresh air to kind of have a normal year. You know, I was talking to uh, – to, um, Ryan Ramsey the other day afterwards and I said it's crazy to think that you know he's a junior this year and this is really going to be you know barring some other crazy thing this is really going to be his first real full college baseball season so that's wild to think about but really happy with the fall really happy with our group um you know um so yeah it's been a great been a great fall we just wrapped up on Monday with the World Series for us here so just kind of getting these guys into a good plan for the winter months and before we know it, man, we're going to snap our fingers and be back in January, and, and the season will be right around the corner. So we'll get into a little bit of the fall ball stuff in, in a moment, but I want to start with just last season, a really good season, one of the better seasons that you've had here as the head coach, 30-18 and 18 overall. You go to a regional. You get to the regional finals. Um, just what are your overall thoughts on everything from last season? just really proud of our group, you know. Um, I wish I could say that I had some snap my fingers and I pulled out some coaching brilliance that allowed those boys to turn it around, but it really had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with our players, you know, and that group faced a ton of adversity last year, you know, a lot, a lot of injuries. You're starting the year, you know, without Nick Dean because of Mono and then without our starting catcher, Justin Vote to an elbow thing. Um, you know, Maxwell Costas had a wrist issue to start the year. Um, and, and then you get those guys back and then you lose Randy Bednar for about seven weeks and just a ton of adversity that those boys faced. And it boils down to, you know, guys like Chris Aileen, who's one of the most competitive tough, want to win guys I've ever been around. And I think those guys just kind of decided that it didn't matter what got thrown in front of them. They were going to find a way to to get it done and and to really change the trajectory of the last few years. Because it would have been really easy for that group at, shoot, we started five and nine. I think at one point we're 10 and 11. It would have been very easy to kind of just coast through the rest of the year and say, ah, not our year. We were hurt. We were this. We were that. And they did the exact opposite. They rallied around each other together. Um, they were tough. They were competitive. And, man, they just really bonded over wanting to win. And and I think that's the thing I'm the most proud of. That's the thing I'm going to take away from that group more than anything is that was a group of winners, you know, and no matter what got thrown at them, they found a way to get it done. So really proud of them and the the mark that they left on, on Maryland baseball. And, you know, I told our, our guys in this year, you know, our job now is to build on that. Our job now for all the young guys coming in is that group kind of set the standard of toughness and grit that we have to be all about and and uh, and been really proud of the way they put the work in this fall for sure. Talk about all the adversity that the team faced, the injuries, a weird season only facing Big Ten opponents. Um, but this team pretty much had the never-say-die attitude I at least tried to coin that on a lot of the broadcasts. But even sure. in the regional, when, when Bubba went down first at bat of the game, first at bat on the Friday game, 
and he doesn't play the rest of the weekend. But you, your team almost came back to win that game, putting up four runs in the seventh, one in the ninth, just that fight that it had. And then you win two more games after that. And the third game against Charlotte as well, the second game against Charlotte, but the third overall in the weekend, you come from behind that crazy snap throw from vote. And then he gets the walk off as well. Where did that attitude come from? Just come from behind, never say die. You know, we're never out of it kind of thing. You know, it's something us as coaches, every coach in America preaches that. But, you know, I, I think it really boils down to your personnel. You know, like I said, I referenced Bubba earlier. Bubba is a fighter, man. That guy, he played his sophomore year with a banged up knee, two broken thumbs, and played every single day. And I think it just boiled down to that, man. Those guys just, they cared about each other a lot, which I think is huge. Um, and, you know, that regional was just special. I, I, I was sick when Bubba got hit, not even just for our team or, you know, got the foul tip, not just for our team, but for him, for a guy that had put his body into it, that had just put everything into Maryland baseball for four years and then to, you know, to finally – punch through, get to a regional and have a, just a freak accident, take him out of it. You know, that was a, that was a tough pill to swallow. But like you said, the boys just kept coming. And, you know, you have a guy like Justin Bode, who started the year hurt. Um, and then it just took him a long time to get back. Right. Just cause he had been away from, you know, away from hitting away from all that for quite a while and was kind of in and out of the lineup and he didn't pout. He didn't feel bad for himself. He just kept fighting, kept scratching and clawing and, we're not in a regional if Justin Vogt doesn't have the last month of the season he had. We're not in the regional championship game if Justin Vogt doesn't have the the guts to throw behind a runner and backpick a runner. And then not to mention him coming up and getting the walk off at the end. It was it was like poetic to watch, you know, like it was just such a great culmination for a guy that had, had fought really hard for his teammates and for the team to get back healthy and get back right and to play his best baseball at the end just speaks to who he is as a person. But, you know, like I said, it was that group never quit, man. They just kept coming. They kept showing up. It seemed like, you know, the second everybody would mark them off and leave them for dead, they, they said, no, thanks. You know, and, you know, I've got a thing hanging in my office and there was a, um, it's, it's probably my favorite speech by Teddy Roosevelt, but the man in the arena speech. And I read that, I read that to our team and about the, halfway point of the year when it wasn't looking great and a lot of people and it's ah, it's not our year they're struggling they're not playing good they're not showing up this that and the other and it's like you know what the only people that count are the people that keep stepping into the arena it doesn't matter what anybody on the outside thinks it doesn't matter what mom and dad think it doesn't matter what you know anybody doing rankings and regional projections none of that matters what matters is being willing to step in the arena every single day and lay it all on the line knowing that you might not you know, taste victory at the end, but, but being willing to pour yourself into it. And that's exactly what those boys did. And, and it is such a credit to the guys like Bubba, guys like Randy Bednar, guys like Ben Cowles, guys like Justin Vogt, guys like Sean Burke, some of those guys that, you know, individually, some had great years, some had mediocre years, some didn't have great years, but to just keep coming and never quit. And I think, that's that's what I want Maryland baseball to always be known as is the the group that you just you can't kill them man you can't knock them out because they just keep coming and that group did an unbelievable job of really setting that standard last season. And you led into it. You mentioned a couple of those guys: Sean Burke, Ben Cowles, and Randy Bednar. Now at the professional ranks, and 
Sean, or Sean gets drafted in the third round, Ben in the tenth round, and Randy, I'm sure if he didn't have all those injuries, would have been drafted, but still was able to sign with the Mariners. What is that like for you as a coach to see guys play themselves into a position, especially with Ben Cowles? He pretty much played himself into a draft slot with last year. It's just – it's rewarding, but more than anything, man, it's – it's not even about us coaches. I just, you're so happy for those kids because you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Sean Burke, you know, he went, everybody, you know, he had some ups and downs at times last year, but I think what people forget is that was really Berkey's first full year of college baseball. You know, he missed his senior year because of injury. He was rehabbing his freshman year here. He comes back his sophomore year, makes four starts as electric, but then it gets shut down and then comes back. And, and I told every scout I talked to, I said, Sean Burke's a no-brainer because that guy's only scratching the surface of what he's going to be. I mean, that guy's a relentless worker. He's so dedicated to being elite. You're getting a guy that's going to get – he's going to be so much better two years from now than he even was for us just because he's going to keep growing as a pitcher on the mound. So, really happy for him. Ben Cowles is going to be one of the best stories probably in my entire coaching career because that's just a self-made player. Ben is a talented. He's athletic. Um, but just had a couple of years that he, he never put it together. He always had some swing and miss. He always played pretty good defense for us. But, you know, we're, we're even sitting there as coaches before the year saying, you know what, if, if Benny hits 260, 270, plays a really good shortstop, you know, hits six to eight homers, we'll be really happy. And, shoot, that guy was one of the best shortstop, if not the best in our league, and hit 300 with 18 homers. I mean, not to mention hit a home run every weekend. And that is just a complete self-made player that just refused to not be elite. And we have a kind of a saying around our program that we say all the time, and it takes what it takes. You know, greatness is not, a, is not an accident. Greatness is not a shortcut to being elite. Being elite, it, it takes a relentless pursuit every single day of putting it in, knowing that maybe in the short term you're not going to see the results. And everybody looks at Ben and it's like, man, what adjustment did he make? What they don't see is him completely working his tail off for three years and maybe not seeing, you know, the return on all the work until year three. And average mediocre players – kind of check it in they'll work really hard for a short amount of time and say ah it doesn't work I'm not good enough I'm not going to make it Benny just kept coming and every single day that he was a part of our program he worked his tail off and the byproduct of that is when the light shone his senior year or his junior year he put up in just an absolute incredible year so just thrilled for those guys Randy Bednar is always going to be one of my favorite kids that guy is just born to hit I mean that's bottom line he was our captain He's embodied toughness and everything that went with that. So, you know, just extremely happy that he is he got a chance and that he's he's doing his thing and 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 really had a good first year of pro ball as well. And some changes to the coaching staff this offseason. Anthony Papio promoted to a full time assistant role, and you bring in a new pitching coach and Mike Morrison. Uh, what do you just what do you see out of Mike to to bring him in? Why is he the right guy for the job? You know, I think it's a great question. I've been asked that a lot. And I think the biggest thing I believe in in life and everything is I think you win with people. You know, I think the bottom line is you win with the right people. The biggest winner I've ever been around in my entire career is Anthony Papio. Like that guy is a winner through and through. He's he's an unbelievable human being. Um, he is 
he's everything I'd ever wanted. So the ability to first, uh, first and foremost, have the opportunity to give him his first full-time job in coaching, man, is, is unbelievable. I, I joke around with people. I say it all the time, like, Pat's going to take my job one day because he's as good as it gets with that stuff. I mean, he is – he loves Maryland through and through. He's an unbelievable person um, and is just an, is an unbelievable coach. And he's done a great job. And I think the second piece of that is a guy like – you know, hiring a guy like Mo. You know, I went through the process. It's funny. When you have a coaching vacancy, everybody in the entire country – has a has, has the guy for you right like man this is the guy this is this guy's the best of the best and you know I started looking through a lot and there was a lot of really good interest in the job but the big thing that jumped out with me and Mo is that dude is a winner he started his career at Coastal as a walk-on and and is actually leaving tomorrow morning at 4 30 to head back to be inducted into the Coastal Hall of Fame so you talk about a guy that is a self-made worker knows what it takes to win, was part of their national championship in 2016. He's everything that I could look for in a guy. And I was a young guy when I got an opportunity. Coach Chef hired me when I was 25 without a lot of experience. You know, um, you know, both Kevin Anderson back in 2017 and then Damon taking over after that believed in a guy that was 29 to lead their program here. And I just knew, for me, experience is great all the accolades and all the cool stuff is great, but the bottom line is I needed the right person. And Mike Morrison is a hundred percent the right person. He loves his players. He believes in relationships. He knows what it takes to win at the highest level. Shoot. He worked, you know, under for the last couple of years, right alongside Drew Thomas, you know, who's a great ex pitching coach at coastal as, as well as with uh, Gary Gilmore, who's, who's a legend in, in college coaching, you know? And so, um, so I knew he had it. The only thing you look at Mike and he, he didn't have a resume of doing it for 25 years, but guess what? I didn't either. And, you know, somebody gave me an opportunity and I feel like I've, I've tried to do my best to take it and run with it. And so that's what I looked at with Mo. I said, you know what, here's a guy that, that is the right person that is going to make our guys compete, that knows what it takes to win at the highest level. Um, and it was, it was an easy conversation. I went and met with him down in Myrtle Beach, what I thought was going to be a, you know, a 15-minute break to, to get some coffee. And we ended up sitting there for three hours and talking through all sorts of different things um, about philosophy, about coaching, about what he really believes. And I walked out of Starbucks in Myrtle Beach and knew that was our guy. So, um, and, you know, now that I fast forward four months later, shoot, it's been it's been confirmed a thousand times over. He's got great rapport with our players. Our players work really hard for him. His ability to communicate and take pitching, which nowadays a lot of people like to make the most complex thing ever and really understand the complexities of pitching, but be able to communicate in a very simple way with players and and, you know, I think our guys have loved pitching for him this fall. And, and like I said, it's been confirmed about a thousand times over that, that I got the right guy. And you've been at Maryland since 2013, a member of the staff, and you're here to stay with the five-year extension this past offseason as well. What is it about Maryland, the area, the team that keeps you staying here? I tell you what, man, when I, when I came here in the, the summer of 2012, Coach Chef called me and he told me, he said, hey, Rob, I want to fly you and, you know, Kaylee, my wife, I want to fly you guys out and let you kind of 
check out the area. And what a lot of people don't know is I just accepted a job to be the hitting coach at Pratt Junior College, which is a small uh, junior college right outside of Wichita, Kansas. And, you know, I basically met with our coach. We had some conversations like, hey, come meet with me next week. Um, you know, I think everything's going to be good. And, and, you know, you're our guy. Let's go. So, you know, I was on the heels of getting ready to do that. And Coach Chef called me and, and said, hey, I want to fly you up here. I said, hey, dude, if you're offering me a job, I don't got to see anything. I'm in. Let's go. So sight unseen, got in my truck and came out and was here two days later. And I tell you what, at the time, shoot, I didn't know the difference in Maryland and Maine. You know, it was – I thought I was going up to the northeast to coach and make my way over here. And, you know, when I watched that team in 13, we were – we had a lot of really talented young guys. Um, but the thing that struck me more than anything is the proximity to really good baseball players. You know, the northeast is full of really good players. New Jersey is full of really good players. Pennsylvania is full of really good players. In our state here, Maryland's not this giant state, but dang, there's some good baseball here. And I just found really quickly that this is a place that kids can come and get an unbelievable education at. I mean, you're talking a top 50 school in the entire country from an education perspective. They can walk out of here with a degree in hand. I learned really quickly that for families in this area that that uh, that education mattered. And so that was, that was awesome. So I knew that was a good thing. Um, we're in an unbelievable location. Shoot, we're eight miles from the most powerful world in the, in the, or the most powerful city in the world, you know? And so the location was just so unique. It was a position that I thought you could win at a high level at, and then shooting 14 and 15, we do some pretty special things and kind of confirm that thought. Um, and man, I just, I'm a worker. That's what I believe in. I believe in hard work. I believe in grit and I believe in toughness. You look at some of the coaches that have been here for a while that have had success, you know, obviously Brenda speaks for herself and what she does and what she's built. Um, you look at guys like Sasho, who man is just that dude gets good players and works his tail off. You look at a guy like John Tillman, who just, has created a monster of a program on the lacrosse world, Kathy Reese. I mean, the list goes on and on of these people. So I'm looking around and I'm like, kids want to come here. This is a great school academically. And I think we can win at the highest level, you know, and that was my big thing. If I didn't feel like I'm a competitive dude. So if I didn't feel like Maryland could break through the gates of Omaha, this wouldn't be a place that I would want to be, you know, it was going to, it would have been a place that would have been a stepping stone where I was here for a couple of years and, and left. And the reality is over the last few years, uh, you know, as an assistant, I had several opportunities to go to some maybe sexier name places. And I was like, it's just not right. This is where I'm supposed to be. And, and I tell you what, you know, now that I'm going on year 10 here, um, it just gets confirmed every day. I love being here. Um, you know, my wife and I and my son live in, we live out here in Annapolis and it's a great area for a family. And I just knew it was a place that if you were willing to work and if you were willing to show up every day and I thought you could recruit good players and I thought you could just really coach the heck out of them. Um, it's a place that I know we can win at the highest level at. And so for me, it's, it's just been a blessing to be able to call this home for the, you know, the last 10 years and then hopefully for the foreseeable future. And now looking ahead towards this season, uh, you mentioned fall ball a little bit. What kind of excites you early on this early in, you know, obviously months away until February when the games actually begin. But what excites you this early about this new team? Well, I got really, really excited in late July when Bubba called me and told me he wanted to come back. 
Like that, that's where it all started, to be honest with you, because we all know like a lot of teams you'll go out there and you feel like, man, if I had one more guy, if I had one more piece, if I had one more thing, we could really do something. And the second that Bubba called me and said, hey, I'm coming back, I knew this team had a chance to be really, really good. And so I think that's where it started. You know, a guy like him who he had opportunities, he could have signed. There was plenty of teams that wanted to sign him as a free agent and go play but he believed in what we were doing here. He felt like we had unfinished business here. So when he called and told me, hey, coach, I want to come back and finish what we started, that's when it started for me that I knew we had a chance to be pretty good. Um, And so when I look at it, you know, I think on the offensive side where it starts, you know, I think, man, this is – it's a pretty good dang group of offensive players, you know, and, you know, you have Matt Shaw coming back. You get Bubba coming back. Um, you have Maxwell back again. You have Bobby Z back. You have Troy Schreffler kind of taking that next step. He had a phenomenal fall. You have a guy like Kevin Keister coming back and taking a big jump this year, along with some really talented freshman position players coming in. And then, you know, a, a couple of good transfers. And, you know, Nick LaRusso, who's been a couple of years at Villanova, was the Big East freshman of the year. Um, is got a chance to be a special player hitting the middle of the order for us and really anchor the order. Um, you know, getting getting a guy like Drew Grace, who is an infielder from Kentucky that has some experience um, at the high levels doing this. I just – I look at our team offensively, and I think it's a team that has a chance to score a lot of runs, which anytime you throw that out there is huge. You know, you look at a guy like Luke Schliger, who – had moments of brilliance last year, um, but was a freshman. So he was in and out and this and that. And that dude's really taking the next step and, and ready to really be an impact guy on both sides of the ball. So I think offensively, you look at it there and say, man, that core of position guys is pretty special. Not to mention some of the young pups coming in that I think you're going to see some of them play very regularly that, that have kind of forced their way in, which I think is huge. But the way that position group has worked, and they've, they've showed up and punched a card every single day um, and have worked their tails off, is something that definitely excites me. Um, and then when I flip over to the other side of the baseball, um, you know, I've had some high-end arms here. I got to be on the staff when we had Jake Stanett and Mike Schworn going back-to-back. That was a pretty fun time to be a coach because you didn't have to do a lot on Friday and Saturday. Um, you know, and then you have your Brian Schaefer's and your Taylor Blooms and your Hunter Parsons and some of these front-line arms coming um, that were really good. We, we've had that in the past, but what we have this year that we didn't have then is, is the depth on the weekend. You know, we're going to run out three starters on the weekend that I think give us a chance to win every single game. You know, and I think when you look at the combination of Nick Dean, Ryan Ramsey, and Jason Savicool, those guys are three dudes that, that are elite at their craft that, that really work. And to be able to run those guys out on a weekend series – Holy cow, man, I, I, I haven't had that through the full weekend. We've had some high-end guys maybe on Friday and Saturday, but Sunday was always kind of a revolving door. And you look at it now and, I mean, shoot, you know, we're, we're having our exit meetings right now with guys. And we had a conversation, and, and Coach Mo said it perfectly. He said, I don't look at it and think we have, you know, a one, two, and three. I really think we have three number ones. And, you know, you, you saw what Michigan did a couple of years ago with, with pretty high-end arms. And as much as I love offense, as much as I love scoring runs, man, it starts with those guys on the mound. And to run those three guys out to kind of headline the weekend and to headline your pitching staff um, would make any coach feel pretty confident about it. And now moving into the schedule uh, with this new group that you're going to go into, but a schedule that looks completely different 
than last year because there's now non-conference games and midweek games. Uh, just what is what do non-conference games do to a team? How how does it help? How could it maybe harm a team in terms of the record? But just what's different about that approaching those games as opposed to Big Ten only? I think it's interesting because, you know, you look at it and it's more games. So you look at it from that perspective and it's like, okay, well, that's going to put a little bit more strain on guys. You're going to have to use a few more guys, this and that. But I tell you what, some of those some of those weekends where you were playing four games on a weekend were an absolute bear when it was conference only, four-game weekends. I mean, that was some – those are some tough weekends, man. And, and, you know, having to play a team like Michigan – five times in a year, having to play some Ohio State with that pitching staff that we faced last year five times in a year, man, that's a bear. So, you know, I think I think it's there's there's definitely a lot of good in it. It kind of spreads out the schedule a tick. But I think the other thing it does is it allows you to bring some young guys along. You know, we have some young arms and and a guy like Ryan Van Buren, a guy like Andrew Johnson, um, some young guys that have the ability to potentially start um, on the weekends, or I'm sorry, start some of those midweek games that we just didn't have the opportunity to do that with last year, you know. And so, um, you know, I like the fact that we're going to hopefully be able to develop some of those young arms so that next year when you lose a Dean and you lose a Ramsey, um, that they can kind of slide in to, to fill some of those voids, you know. And, and I think that's, that's a huge piece. So, you know, I think, um, I think what I told our guys all the time, like, Everybody gets jacked up to play, you know, Baylor on Friday night to open up the year. But some of the games that are going to determine whether you belong in the postseason or not are the games you play on Tuesday and Wednesdays. So it's just going to be bring an added level of focus. And instead of Tuesdays being a scrimmage day, which is what it was all year last year, those games count now. They go on your they go on your record. So your ability and your your you know, your maturity to show up and punch the card every single day, regardless of who's on the other side, um, is vital to being really, really good. So it gives us a great opportunity. Um, but like I said, some of these guys, this is going to be their first taste of a 56-game schedule. So it's going to test our maturity and, and our ability to show up every day as well. And this non-conference slate is, is really strong, especially the weekend games. You have 14 games against teams that finished in the top 50 last year and a rematch with ECU going back to Greenville, Baylor, like you mentioned, VCU, Campbell, Dallas Baptist, bunch of good teams, bunch of tournament teams. And what, what went into kind of just scheduling a really strong slate in the non-conference? Yeah. You know, coach Swope does a great job. Coach Swope does our scheduling and, and, you know, he puts a lot of those together and we, we kind of get together on those and, you know, I think we knew we had a chance to be pretty good this year, which which filters into putting a challenging schedule together. But, you know, you saw it, whether you like it or not, whether people agree, whether it's a flawed system or not, RPI matters. And, and you know, winning games is important, but winning games against good teams, especially good teams on the road, is even more. So we wanted to put ourselves in a position to where if we do our job and we play the brand of baseball we can – Man, our goal here at Maryland is to do something that's never been done here before. I want to host a regional at Maryland, and that's never been done before here. But to do that, you don't you don't get to put a soft schedule together that just makes you feel good because you win games. You better play good teams, and you better win some of those games. So that was kind of our mentality is, you know what, like I, I believe in battle testing our guys. I believe in getting to a point to where – you know, whether it's going good or bad early, man, they're going to have to walk through the fire a little bit. And I firmly believe that 
in May and June, you will play your best baseball because of it. You know, I want our guys to, I want our guys to get used to playing tournament teams. So when we get to the tournament, we can expect to have success there. And so, you know, like I said, we, we put together what we think is a, a challenging schedule and one that, um, like I said, is not going to let our boys have the ability to just waltz into it and take days off. So we're going to have to come up and, and show up every day. And the way this group's worked this fall, I don't, I don't have too much concern that they're going to do just that. And when looking at the Big Ten part of the schedule, you avoid Nebraska, Indiana, and Iowa this year. Three teams that finished in the top five of the league last year. Nebraska won the league. Uh, what, is, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that, just avoiding kind of the tougher, I would say, towards that upper part of the league? I know you always talk about, though, how deep the Big Ten is in baseball. Yeah, no, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head with that. You know, I think when we first got in the league in 2015, I would have told you, like, Heck yeah, man. Like there's some wins in there, but that's just not the way it works anymore. You know, you look at what's gone on in this league and um, you know, what Steve Owens is doing up at Rutgers and that dude's, that dude's a winner to the, one of the biggest winners I've ever met. And they're they're They've turned into a really good program, you know, and Ohio state's going to be elite year in and year out. Michigan is going to be very good year in and year out. And so you look at it and you know, I, I don't even look at our league anymore saying, okay, if we can just miss these three, we got a chance. You know, I look at it as it doesn't matter who we're playing in this league. You better show up and play your best baseball because if not, you're going to get your tail kicked. So um, it's kind of funny when you just rattled that off to me. Like I've been so hyper-focused on our fall that I had no idea who even played in the Big Ten. I knew what our preseason stuff was. I had no idea what what our league games even looked like. So that was actually news to me that we missed those guys. So we'll, uh, you know, like I said, we'll, we got to show up every day because – shoot you alluded to it this this conference is, is is turned into quite the bear and you have a big 10 tournament this year finally uh you haven't had one since 2019 and that was the only one that you were the head coach or the head coach at maryland for uh how, how do you think the big 10 tournament helps in preparing for a tournament style in the regional because last year you go to the regional and there's no tournament before that to kind of prepare you for those elimination games well, one thing I love about our tournament is it's at TD Ameritrade, which is pretty awesome. Like, yeah. man, I want our guys to see that. Like, expectation matters. Belief matters. What you think matters. And so I want our guys to step in that dugout. I want our guys to step on that field. And our goal is that when we roll out there at the Big Ten tournament, that's not the last time of the year we step on that yard. And so I want guys to – have the ability to to play in that. And, man, the tournament's awesome. Omaha does such a great job hosting us. It's so good to kind of get in that. Shoot, you're playing 9 a.m. games sometimes. It's crazy. That tournament gets wild. Um, but it's such a great event. You know, it's a great event for our conference. Um, and it's a great event just to prepare these kids. And I love, man, anytime it's win or go home, holy cow, there, there's nothing that kind of gets it going more than that. So it kind of gets them in that. And, you know, your hope is that you go into that tournament and you're already in a pretty good spot for the NCAA tournament. But, man, there's something to kind of playing for your life while you're there, too, and, and learning what it means to do that. So um, I'm really excited it's back. It's a great event, and we'll be fired up, and we got to do our job because, like, you know, we, we don't have one of the tournaments where, hey, everybody gets a, gets a chance. It's you better finish in the top eight and go do your job there so you can you give yourself a chance to, to get there, and that's where it starts. So, um, so I'm fired up that, that we got it back. Coach, really appreciate the time. Absolutely, man. I appreciate anything you guys need from me. You let me know.
This is Maryland head coach Rob Vaughn, and you're listening to Terps Baseball on the Maryland Baseball Network.